morning. morning. We're asking this question this Christmas season, why? Why the nativity? But here's the thing. I did a little bit of survey this last week about last week's message. Just through about 10 people, which you take a small sample size and you're like, okay, what was said last week? What were the five reasons that Jesus came into this earth? Now, if you've missed this message, you can go on YouTube, you can go to our app and you can watch the message. But there were five main reasons that Jesus came to be uh, on earth, little baby Jesus, and why he was a human. And here's the thing, if you know them and you understand them and you make them your own, it has a radical impact in your life. So I did a little bit of survey, even amongst the staff, and most of us guessed because of my sin, which is right. But most people couldn't really put together. Now, here's the thing. If you don't know some of the apologetics, the explaining or apologizing or giving away your faith, the tools of of your faith, then you really don't have the walk that God wants for you. I can see my sister screaming inside. Like, you got to know why Jesus came. And so here's the five reasons. And here's the thing. This is what we do in church. And church, we've got to do it differently. If we didn't get last week's message or it didn't sink in or we didn't do it or there was too much information, then why move to the next week's sermon series and open up another text? So let me go through it again because it's critical to build upon your faith. This Christmas season, know these things and I'm gonna give you a tool. I'm gonna give you five words to help you memorize this, but here's what it is. The first reason Jesus came, this is last week's sermon, you can look it up, is he came to satisfy the prophecies in the Old Testament. There's these words written about who the Messiah was. That was number one. The second was to show us the Father. If you don't know the Father, you don't know Jesus. And if you think you know Jesus and you don't connect to the Father, then there's something missing. The third one is that he sympathizes with your weakness. And I have a friend that she's like, oh, that's mine. That's the one. I need it. I'm weak. And I've had been hitting with tragedy in my life. And he sympathizes with our weakness. The the fourth one is he saves us from our sins. I don't know about you, but I need a Savior because my sin is big. You know, and I'm the pastor. I don't know what your guys' sin's like, but my sin's big. And let's not act like my sin is any different than yours. Too often we put people on the pedestals, but sin is one of them, and he saves us from our sin. Number four, or number five is the last one. He then secures us in our place in heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to know that my God's got me, not just on earth, but even after. Right? So here's the thing. Yeah, amen. And so if I know those, if I know those, then something happens in my life. And here's what happens. They're all C's. I have confirmation. I walk around knowing I know the reason and there's confirmation in my heart. It brings me confidence that I can walk and know a little bit about who Jesus is in my life and why he became a human. It comforts me. I don't know about you, but I need comfort. Week in and week out, there's moments of loneliness or feeling less than, and I need comfort, and he comforts us. And then the fourth one is, not only does he save us, but he completes us. Do you ever feel like there's something missing? Christ completes us. And then when he completes us, then I walk in the contentment going, I'm good, my sins are saved, uh, my sins are washed clean, I'm saved, and then I have contentment to live and walk a life for Jesus Christ, knowing this isn't the end. This is the worst of my life. It's only gonna get better in heaven. 
And so here's the, here's the memory tool. Here's what I want you to remember. We're all going to say it. The first reason why he came was to, everybody say satisfy. satisfy. He came to satisfy the Old Testament, fulfill it. Number two is he came to show. That was r- really bad. He came to show. He came to show us the Father. His whole purpose was to say, hey, this is what the Father's like in heaven. I'm here on earth to show you my Father in heaven. So he came to show. Number three was he came to sympathize. Everybody say sympathize. Sympathize with your weakness because he knows what temptation and sin looks like on this earth. Number four, which is to save us. And the last one is to secure us. If you know those, all of a sudden your identity and who you are in Christ starts to take shape and form and all of a sudden you start living and looking more like Jesus because these five things are part of who you are. Your identity is different because you're walking with confidence and completeness and contentment because you know who Christ is. And if you don't identify as a little image of Christ, then we need to work on each other. And we do that in, like Tara said, community groups. We come to church. We, we do little quad discipleship groups. We do things to help us identify. But most of us believe and don't, ex- don't expand and grow in our knowledge. And then we just are holding on and surviving. And Christ says, no, I want you to thrive. So here's what we're going to do. He came to save us, show us, sympathize, save us and satisfy and secure us in heaven so that we can walk in our life. And that answers last week's. If you missed the sermon, go back and look. I'm not trying to promote my sermon. I'm trying to help you grow in your faith. So we continue then to ask the question and throughout the message, you're gonna see these kind of sprinkled in. Why Joseph? We're going through this new nativity. We've got a movie on Christmas Day that you can watch that will explain even more, more characters on why they were included. But today we're gonna ask, why Joseph? There's three main characters in the story of the nativity, uh, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. Today we're gonna ask, why Joseph? Now, the actual right question to ask is this, and this is kind of crazy. Who would you want to raise your kids? I don't know about you, but me and my wife have a trust and we've got billions of dollars in this trust. (laughs) We got money managers all over the world trying to get into our money. And in the trust, there's a question like, well, where's the money going? And our kids are now over 18 and, you know, we kind of want it. But you have like a godparent. Who's going to watch your kids? What are the qualities and characteristics that you would want for someone to watch your kids? Because that's really the question that we're answering today. Why Joseph? Because he's going to raise baby Jesus. So why Joseph? And that's what we need to understand. And the main point is the qualities and characteristics. Now, if I were God we would be in so much better place. (laughs) Hey, it's my world, so I can say whatever I want. If I were God and I wanted someone to raise little baby Jesus, right? I got this little baby and I want him raised correctly. Here's the three things that I would want. Number one, I would want the greatest 
teaching rabbi in all of Israel to, 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 to minister to my little baby. Not the mega pastor, that's not where mega rabbi, that's not what I'm talking about. I went to this little small Bapti, uh, Baptist uh, seminary and this guy named Troy Welch was brilliant. His church had like 20 people because he talked at a 401 level, really discipleship, heavy Greek and Hebrew, but I loved it. And he was really intelligent and he could explain things that I had never heard before. One of the smartest biblical men that I know. That's what I'm talking about. Not one that had millions of people following, one that could explain the Torah and, and, and God and who he was up to that point top teaching rabbi. Number two, plenty of resource. I don't want to put my baby in the hand of someone that can barely make it. You know, I want them to have plenty of resources, you know, a master bedroom with a bath and a, you know, jacuzzi and all that. I want them to have plenty of resources. And the third one is that I hope he has like a child development degree, right? I mean, they got to have child knowledge, uh, child uh, rearing, child psychology. I, I don't know how many child psychologists are in the room. Everybody that has a, like a child, you have to constantly look and go, oh no, it's not that way, it's something different. So hopefully they have that. Well, here's the thing. Thankfully to all of you and all of the world that I'm not God, because I got it all wrong, because that's not what Joseph is. That's not who he is. That's not what God was looking at at all. But that's what I would think, great teacher, great lots of money and resources, and knows children back and forth. That's not what he has. First and foremost, Joseph was from Nazareth. And in about two months, we're almost two months away from a group of us that are gonna go to this wonderful place in Israel called Nazareth. And there's this little valley that my dad and me and my mom were on and we were just talking. And it was such a cool moment because you're like, Jesus could have ran in these hills right here. And we're gonna be there. But Nazareth, what good goes in Nazareth? It's actually a laughing stock of all of Israel. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It's actually a joke. It's like Newberry Park. It's not even really a city. <laughs> Welcome if you're from Newberry Park. <laughs> if you're online, don't leave us. <laughs> Nazareth? Wow, that came out of nowhere. Uh, then the second thing is he wasn't a rabbi. This guy wasn't a rabbi. He probably knew his scripture. He probably knew the Torah. He probably memorized because that's what they did. But he wasn't a rabbi. The third thing is he probably wasn't rich. He was probably less than rich because you had super rich everybody else. And he probably was just a poor man working like everybody else. Uh, number four, he had no status or power in that city of Nazareth. No real authority, no sitting on the board and the council, sitting in the town square. That, none of that is said about him. Uh, and the last one is he had probably zero experience raising kids or with kids because... It was different. In that day, the man would actually go out and try and provide and do things. And the, there, there was another role for, for him. And he wasn't really engaged in raising kids. But let me tell you why. And this is actually the point of the message. There's a one-point message with a lot of sub-things going into it. But here's the point of the message. Why Joseph? I'll tell you why Joseph. Because he had the qualities and characteristics that God wanted to raise his child. And when you have those qualities and characteristics, you know how valuable that is? The kingdom of God then is at the tip of your hands and at the tip of your tongue and in your heart. And all of a sudden, God can work and move. So why Joseph? Because he had the qualities and characteristics. And we're going to look at some of those as we go through this uh, place in Matthew today. Joseph was just an ordinary man. 
just like you. You're an ordinary person that came in the church, grabbed a cup of coffee, yelled at your kids on the way if you had kids. Get in here, right? You're going to have fun today, and you're going to sing. <laughs> Didn't the kids do a good job today? <laughs> Joseph was just an ordinary man God trusted to raise his kid. And it's because he had some unique qualities and characteristics. Today we're going to open up our Bible to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1. And in the middle of it, it says, and you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but our app has all kinds of stuff. And in the app, there's notes. My, my buddy Manuel is always following the notes. You can go through it. They'll be on the screen. But you can look at it later. There's all kinds of notes on the app. And you can follow along and look at it as you go through it maybe later this week. So here's what it says. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. That's what we're talking about today. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, really important, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, that same power that was in this story and the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead rest upon us today. That your powerful spirit will be so big and so powerful that it will transform the church right before our eyes. I pray that we rest in that and that, that you just give us gifts. And it's not because I'm speaking, but it's your speaking, Lord. And I pray that that power is, so, power is so moving and powerful that we are changed forever. More importantly, Lord, Lord, though, Lord, is there someone here today that's going to receive your power and their life is going to be rocked forever. And we celebrate that in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So let the spirit roll in your life right now. Don't fight it. Cry if you need to, worship if you need to, get on your hands and knees. We are going to be a church that's going to listen to God and listen to the Spirit and watch Him work within our lives. Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. Not the real deal, because it says that the Holy Spirit uh, gave uh, Mary this child, and we'll talk about that next week. He was a descendant of King David. So he was in the line of David and that really what qualifies him to be a man in Jesus' life because he had to be from the line of David. He was in this region called Galilee, one of my favorite parts of Galilee, Galilee's northern Israel. We've been there a couple of times. It's a really cool spot. And in that, there's this place called Nazareth. What good comes from Nazareth? I'll tell you what good comes, Jesus Christ. That's where he lived. That's where he was raised. And uh, that's an important point. And so here's what the Bible says. It talks about a Jewish engagement. It's a little different than the way that we have engagement today. Uh, you know, we kind of have walked away from the principles that even our country had 50, 60 years ago. Uh, my girls are now married and I got a, 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 my youngest daughter. And uh, here's how we talked about it is in, in our as I was raising girls as they get, in, get into that age, we talked about courting. And they're like, what's courting? That's a weird word. And I'm like, I know. We talked about that 50 years ago. But courting is bringing this relationship. We have girls, so we have these guys. And we wanted to meet them. And we wanted them to sit and communicate and not scare them with the shotgun. <laughs> That's the first part. But the second part is others. Is to see how they squirm when the shotgun comes out. No, it's to see their characters and qualities because that's what. And so what happens in the Jewish engagement is the parents would actually pick a man. They're looking all over town in Nazareth going, oh man, that Joseph guy, he might be good for my little Mary. Look how hard he works. Look how, how good he 
keeping his life together. He's very devout and he loves. And so back in that day, the, mar- the, the, the marriage was one done by the parents. The, the people didn't really have a choice. It was like a negotiation. And we kind of tried to do that with our girls. It's like, at least let us have a little bit of say of who you're going to be with because it's valuable. Why? Not because your parents know best. They know what it's like to be married and what it's like to be with a partner and what that looks like. And so it's really important. So the Jewish engagement was a two-part thing. There was this ring engagement, very similar to ours, but today in our society, they get on their knee at the beach or in the mall or in Chicago or wherever they're at, and maybe at dinner, and they get on their knee, and then they hand this ring. It's, It's really romantic. But back then, it was just like the wedding celebration. They would come. They already know they're getting married. It wasn't a surprise. And they would do this ring ceremony. And it looked just like the wedding. It was a celebration. Then they were engaged. And during that engagement period, they really weren't together and hanging out or having sex or anything. They were just engaged. They were still learning to get to know each other and barely kind of understand who they were. And then a, a very devout Jewish family, a year and a day later, would then have a wedding ceremony. A year and a day. And then they would have a wedding ceremony. And you know what the best part of the wedding ceremony is? It wasn't the cake. It wasn't the dancing or the DJ or none of the photography. They didn't care about that. This is going to be awkward. So if you're a kid or you can't handle it, the the real thing was the virginity passing test. We all got quiet. Because it was really a celebration when they came the next day and the parents would like, oh, she was a virgin. Yay. And both parents and the families would be honored because there was proof of virginity. And it was a big deal. It's not that anymore. But it was a big deal back then. We don't have this in our life. We have a sexual revolution going on like we did in the 60s. If we don't go back to what is important, we're going to miss out on what God wants because he wants character and, and, and qualities that will change him. The first character and quality that we have is Joseph was a humble man, meaning low means, low financial status, and he wasn't flashy. He was modest. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Joseph, so it's not like we know that because that's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us and it gives us glimpses into his character so we conclude that he was a humble man because we see that he's not got the best house on the block. We see that he was a humble man. A humble man, a man of humility, accepts the fact that he doesn't get his life his own way. I don't know if you are thinking about getting married and girl or, or boy, or man or woman, when you get married, your life doesn't actually go, I'm sure, the way that you think it is. It changes. And you've got to be okay with that. That's called humility. Joseph was a humble man. Let's move on. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. Let's get back to that in a second. And did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break in the engagement quietly. Um... Joe, I got a baby bump and it's not yours. Awkward. Today, no big deal. Oh, it's okay. Back then, this was devastating. This was going to wreck the whole family. This was going to be on the front page of the Nazareth Gazette. And within minutes, everybody in town would know that Mary slept with someone else. 
This was the worst moment of all time for a guy like Joseph. His whole life was built on, I'm going to get married, I'm going to lay with my wife, and I'm going to have some little kids, and we're going to be a normal family, and we're going to go to synagogue, and we're going to become good, healthy uh, Jews. And at one point, they're going to go and, you know, have a relationship with God, hopefully because of their faith. But... Joseph now is in this place where all of his dreams are gone, all of his planning is gone, he's embarrassed, and his life is changed forever. The Bible says that he was a righteous person. What does righteous mean? Righteous just means he was going to do the moral right thing, and here's what the moral right thing is. This girl doesn't have the same values that I do, and so because of that, I'm just going to release her because she didn't really follow the Jewish law. And I'm going to do it and release her. And he had every moral ground to do it. So he's going to break off the engagement. But here's the third thing. So the first thing we see humble. The second thing the text says he's righteous. The third thing is he is merciful. Man, is he merciful. First of all, uh, girl, you got a baby bump. But in Ephesians chapter 2, 4, last week we talked about it. He says, my God is rich. He's not rich in just the cattle of the hills and all the property and all the resources in the world, all the gold and metal and titanium and everything in the world. God is rich by that nature. But the actual Bible says what? God is rich in mercy and grace. That's what he says is rich. We think rich is Lambos and helicopters and eating at Nobu. That's good, too. Have you ever been there? Wow. (laughs) But Joseph's merciful. He doesn't want to destroy her like we do. If you've ever been in a divorce, I hope you never have. One side usually is like, I'm going to wreck that fool. (laughs) I'm just going to destroy him. I'm going to make sure that there's no evidence of him on this earth. That's what we do. One side usually does that. It's like, I'm going to take all their money. I'm going to take everything. No kids, nothing. I'm going to wreck that full. But that's not what happens here. Human? Man, I want a lightning bolt. I want to, this person's hurt me, and, and I want them gone. But here, he's rich in mercy. Doesn't God want us to give mercy? A couple of chapters down the road in Matthew chapter 5, he says this. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I'll be honest, that's not who I am. That's who God wants me to be. But Joseph, he's like, man, I'm not going to wreck this girl. I don't know what happened to her, but she seems like a good person, and I'm going to give her mercy. Verse 20, as, this, as he considered, so now Joseph's like, What should I do? This girl's breaking my heart. I thought she was the one. He's considering it. He says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in in a dream. Joseph, son of David, he's part of that lineage. The angel said, don't be afraid and take Mary as your wife. Do the right thing. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not another human being, but by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Last week, we used this verse. One of the reasons why Jesus came was to save us of our sins. It's in the story, and that's why he became human. 
And all of this will occur to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's going to come in human form and live with us. And not only that, is as he leaves, he's going to leave us a spirit that's going to be with us and minister to us until we meet him in heaven. And, and as we live in eternity, then we will see the three in one manifest. This is my favorite part. This is the cool part of the message. I really like this part. Joseph was a faithful man. That's the, uh, no, 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 before I get there. Joseph was dreaming, right? Joseph was dreaming. And in his dream, he has like this biblical Old Testament version. I don't know about you. This, this, this Old Testament virgin, uh, not virgin, version. This Old Testament version uh, uh, come into his brain, and it's, it's a scripture about who Jesus is. And this, and this answers one of the questions. Jesus came to satisfy the prophecy. And here's the thing. I sometimes go to bed uh, this week twice. I went to bed and just rested and put my headset on, and I'm listening to the gospel and, and listening to the message as I go to bed. But I don't dream in biblical form. The, in his dream... There's this biblical conversation. And the important thing is, this is the best part. This is what I got really excited about. God's just doing something powerful. This man's ready to divorce her and get rid of her. And God does something powerful. His heart changes. And you're going to see it change in an instant. That's how God works. If you're here today and you don't feel connected, you don't feel right, if you need something different, let God change your heart instantly in a minute. Don't deny it, receive it, and watch God work. The fourth thing we see is Joseph was a faithful man. Are you faithful? The Lord asked me, is like, is anybody faithful? We come to church and man, we look faithful. What are you going to do at 12 o'clock? What are you going to do tomorrow at 12 or 6 or 8? Are you faithful? Joseph was a faithful man. To me, this means I'm willing to put God first ahead of my will. It means I'm going to trust God in the darkest of moments. I was actually going to tell a different story, but I'm going to tell this story about Jeremy. And, and I want to give Jeremy a little bit of props. So last couple of uh, messages, Jeremy's actually been kind of funny. And we should clap for him because that's the first time in history that he's been funny. And here's why it was funny, because he was roasting me, and I was the biggest laugher. So when, jo when Jeremy lands a joke, we should celebrate because it rarely happens. <laughs> Anyways, there was this Christmas, and you guys have heard this story. If you haven't, this is a cool story. Our first Christmas, we had moved from this school, La Mariposa, the first night we met. Uh, the first Sunday we met, there was like 80 people. And then like a normal church plan, it kind of settled with about 30. And then we grew, and there'd be 25 or 30. And then we got this building at the Boys and Girls Club. And there was a church one Sunday, and then the church closed, and then we showed up. And we gained like 15 people, one of them still here today with us. And so it's super exciting. And so our church grew just because the church, the other church closed. So on Christmas Eve, I don't know if you guys know this, I'm an optimist. And so I put extra chairs up. We're going to blow the doors off this place. We're going to have this. Well, the thing is, we didn't have any marketing. We had a crappy website. We didn't know how to do anything. And so we thought everybody was going to show up. Well, the truth is 20 people showed up. My family was five. <laughs> Jeremy's family was four. The Foss family was four. That's 12, so about six people showed up. And they're probably from the other church that just closed down. And Jeremy just said, don't worry about it, brother. Be faithful. 
and preach to whoever's here. And if there's one, we're going to be faithful. If there's a thousand, we're going to be faithful. And that's why we're still here today, because God spoke and we're faithful. I don't know if Jeremy knows how important that word was for me. Because ministry makes people very fragile. And I was fragile that night, and he spoke so much life. Yeah, thanks. Love Jeremy. He's the one that helped me. So uh, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. And that's kind of where the story ends, but it doesn't end our message. The fifth thing that we see here is Joseph was obedient. He's obedient. Here's what you need to know about obedience. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You obey. Probably my chief job is to help people obey. If you need to help uh, obedience, let's meet. Meet Jeremy, meet Kim, meet myself, meet Tara, meet Ashley. Learn obedience because that's really what the gospel's about, being obedient to the gospel. Doing things when no one is watching. You know, I've left my wife a couple times for uh, three weeks in Mexico, and, and I've been to a couple places in Nepal for a couple of weeks. I've been gone several times in our marriage. And look at, I do what is right even when she's not with me. Because that's what obedience is. That's what my marriage is resting on. The obedience of the gospel. I trust her, she trusts me. And it's not like we're a perfect relationship, but we're trying to be obedient to what God wants us. Not letting the world and the chaos and all the things of this world overtake you. Not let, what, not let what's on the phone or on HBO or whatever kind of destroy your marriage and your, your, your connection, but just kind of stay obedient. And here's what happened. When Joseph woke out, woke up, he worked out. He read his Bible, he prayed for you and the congregation, and he meditated on what God wanted to do today. Well, actually, that's what God wants me to do every day when I wake up. Take care of myself, take care of my soul, pray and meditate on what God wants to do. But when Joseph woke up, here's what it says. Joseph woke up and he did exactly what the angel commanded him to do. That's obedience. And a little bit later in the text, we're going to see that in Luke, he says he obeyed the circumcision law. And every year they went on this pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem and bring an offering. Here's the deal. Joseph was obedient, but he was so much more. I could give you a bunch of words that we could pull from this. He didn't complain. He was compassionate. He had discernment. He persevered. He trusted. He was dedicated. Joseph had qualities and characteristics that God loved and adored. That's what we see here. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of specifics about who Joseph was as a person. It actually records no words that Joseph spoke, but we see enough in who he was as a man to see that he was a faithful man. He was an obedient man. He honored other people. He took responsibility and he worked hard to provide for these families. And all these characteristics that we're talking about need to be replicated in our life. That's why we're studying why Joseph, so that you can walk out of here going, are these qualities and characteristics something that I can do? Do I have one? Do I have two? Do I have a few of these? And that's why we're studying Joseph so that we can look at ourselves. It's not just because he's a guy. If you're a girl, you can see this as well. But there's two more that I want to talk about before we close today. Joseph was also self-sacrificing. This was a tough one. Some people are really good at this, almost too good that they kill themselves over it. But he was self-sacrificing. The Bible verse, a little bit later in Matthew, 15 chapters up, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 says this. 
If you want to be my follower, Jesus says, this is Jesus as an adult. He's now grown up. He says, you must give up your own way. Most of your translations say deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. That's what self-sacrifice is. Denying yourself and grabbing this cross. And as you're walking, I, I don't know if you ever walk with a cross. I did it in Chico. It's a whole other story. We'll talk about it another time. But I'm knocking stuff over. And when you have the cross on your back, you're knocking down strongholds. And you're knocking down things that are blocking your connection to God. And you're watching the spirit move. When you're holding the cross and walking, things change. Do you know all that, Jesus, all that Joseph did for Jesus? Let me tell you a couple of things. First of all, he wasn't his bio dad. Now, uh, just being a father in, in, in general is not easy. I'm number five or six, depending on how many dogs we have in the house. But that's my role, is to be five or six and play that role correctly. But he wasn't his bio dad, and he had to raise God. Anybody try and raise God? I thought I was God for a little while. It was really hard on my parents. But he's had to raise God. He had to accept his wife was pregnant, and he didn't let that stop him. His friends and family met him at Starbucks, and they're like, Joe, she's got a baby bump. It's not yours. We shouldn't do it. It's going to be a disgrace to us. And if you go, we're going to have to step away from you because you're going to embarrass us. And you know what he did? He took her as his wife. Amen. Then he traveled 90 miles to go to Bethlehem and do the baby story. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, if you're under 13, he didn't have sexual relationships for a while. Again, we... Because that's what we're driven in today's society. He stayed in a stable. There was one time I was out in a convention in San Diego and there was no rooms. Have you ever been to a place where there's no room? It's not fun. No room, stays in a stable. Oh, it's okay, I'll just stay in a stable. Has his kid, not in a NICU, not in a hospital, not in a sanitized place. There's probably cow dung and sheep dung everywhere, right? Has his kid in the stable. No hand sanitizer. Our little reader said swaddling clothes. I love that. Selfless. Then later he has to flee to Egypt to save Jesus. Then he's got to bring him back to save Jesus or to bring him back to Nazareth and live his life. He never asked for special privileges. He gave up his rights and demands of what he thought his life was. This guy woke up one day and like two weeks before engagement, was like, oh, life's going to be good. I'm going to have a wife. I'm going to lay with her. We're going to have kids. My plans are going to be perfect. And I'm going to live a simple life. And I'm going to die at the age of 42. God bless me. He gave up all those. Never got rich. Never got famous while he was alive. Nobody ever talked about Joseph. Oh, that's the guy. Yeah, that's the guy right there. And then he had to teach God godly things. Little baby Jesus. He's teaching God godly things. I don't know how that went. And then the, the theory is that he died probably before seeing Jesus' ministry. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. I could keep listening. I kept writing. It just goes on. There's a lot of things we can talk. It's incredible self-sacrificing. And it really comes to shape when I say this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God. When he took this job and this responsibility, he sought first the kingdom of God. It's like, my will, my want, this is what the angel said. I'm going to be obedient. And if I got to go to Egypt, or if I got to live in Newberry Park, or Barstow, or Blythe, or wherever it is, I'm going to do that. Joseph always put Jesus first. 
as we are to seek first the kingdom of God. What a great responsibility. And the last one is, Joseph has wisdom. Well, how do you know? Well, let's look at the data. Let's look at the information. A devout Jewish person knew the scriptures. They had to memorize the first five books. Does anybody know any word out of Leviticus? Sacrifice, cows. That's about all I know. He had to know those and memorize them. That was just part of it. And a rabbi would then take it a little bit further. Although we don't have any record of dialogue between Jesus, Jesus and Joseph, we see Joseph had wisdom because he had to raise little baby Jesus and God. God probably blessed him with wisdom and we see that in the text a little bit. I could see Joseph telling Jesus when he's a young boy these words. Proverbs 22.6, direct your children unto the right path and when they're older they, won't leave, they will not leave. And Jesus, little baby Jesus, if I was like, I know dad, I know that scripture. And I could see Joseph at one point talking about Deuteronomy 11 and in there it's like, oh, you've got to tie your, these Bible verses on your shoulder and on your head, teaching about the word of God. And, and, and I could see him say, teach your children, talk to them when they're at home and when they're on the road and when they're going to bed and when they're getting up. And listen, if you have children that were up here singing, and you're not talking about the gospel and the message every day, not just this message, the message of the gospel with your kids, morning, noon, and night while you're traveling and while you're going, you're missing out an opportunity to teach them the gospel and to show them what you guys believe and know the five things. Tell them the five reasons why Jesus lived and they will understand it and they will grow. Teach them, it says parents, and talk to your children. Don't let a school or a ministry teach them. You teach them the gospel. And all this is fulfilled in Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 39. It says, when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law, this is where they uh, circumcised him, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. And then here's what it says. The child grew up healthy and strong and was filled with wisdom and God's favor upon him. Part of that has got to be because God blessed Joseph with some level of wisdom to raise God. And then at the very end, this is what our youth group, everybody that was up there, all our kids rock. This is the verse that really is the foundation of our kids' ministry. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. I remember when Madison brought this to us a long time ago. She's like, this curriculum and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to raise our kids and this is an important thing. Proverbs 1.7 says this, and somebody needs to hear this today. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, the foundation of wisdom. But fools despise it. Somebody's rejecting it here, but another person is receiving it and saying, man, there's something for me today. Maybe it's just the Holy Spirit moving in your life and you need to follow that leading. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Why Joseph? I'll tell you why Joseph. Because he had godly qualities and characteristics. That's the message. He had godly qualities and characteristics. And here's what I want you to do. As the Holy Spirit is here right now, there's one or a few of these that you need to take into your life and say, Lord, help me with it. Help me with one of these or all of these. If you want to be a devout Christian, if you want God to move, if you want to see the, 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 the glory of God, you've got to make some changes. And you've got to take some of those, what we call strongholds, those things inside your soul and mind that are, are these anchors that are holding you into this or into that and holding you back from the kingdom of God.
The Bible says, those who are faithful with a little, more will be given. Isn't that not who Joseph was? He had these godly qualities and characteristics. He was faithful with a little bit before he got engaged. He did the right thing so that God, that he could be set up to be married to this beautiful woman. And then it says, when you're faithful with a little, more will be given. And how much more was given? Way beyond what any normal man could uh, deal with. But Joseph dealt with it. So here's the working definitions today. Let me give you those words again. I know there's a lot. Remember what we talked about before. That we have five reasons why Jesus came on this earth. It's super critical that you understand. He came to satisfy the prophecies. He came to show us the Father's love. He came to uh, sympathize with us. He came to save us and he came to secure. But now there's some words. Maybe something is in this message today that's rattling your heart. Here's what we talked about. Humble. Joseph was a humble man. That's why God chose him. Humble means, in my terminology, thinking of yourself less. John 3, verse 30 says, Jesus became more and more, and I become less and less. Thinking of yourself less. Number two, righteous. Doing what is right regardless. You know how hard that is? You know how hard it is to be righteous, to do what is right? The world doesn't want it. They're going to laugh. They're going to mock. They're going to cancel. They're going to delete you. But that doesn't stop the power of God. Righteous. Merciful. Giving mercy even when you don't want to. I don't know. Somebody here needs to give mercy today. When I was in our prayer group, I wrote wrote down, if we are bold in mercy, the truth will be bold and unfolding in people's lives. If you're bold in mercy, someone needs to give mercy. Faithful. Thinking and doing for God first. What do you need to do today that puts God ahead of your wants in your life? How about obedient? This one's hard for me. Submitting to another person's will. I was a horrible, obedient child. This is not natural for me. For me to be up here and be obedient to the text and to someone's will is truly a miracle from above because that's not who I am. I'm a disrespectful, snotty brat that wants my own way. Can I get an amen? amen? There's a lot of amens over here. Nothing over here. <laughs> How about self-sacrificing? How about self-sacrificing? How about self-sacrificing? Denying yourself and honoring someone else? How about self-sacrificing? And the last one is this, God's uh, wisdom. And this is my definition. Using God's word and the knowledge that he gives me in my life every day. Praying, God, speak and use and move in my life. Not my will be done, but your will be. Lord, I turn my will and my life over to you so that I can find something different in my life. The moral of the story is this. Here's the one-point sermon. God uses ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things. And for me, just to be obedient is extraordinary. And when you have these qualities and characteristics in your own life, 
when you're faithful with a little more will be given if you have these qualities and characteristics this is the one point when you're faithful with a little more will be given when you have these qualities and characteristics God values that and he values you and then you start to value the kingdom of God differently as we get ready to worship I just want the Holy Spirit to move powerfully right now just close your eyes for a moment Father, we claim this, this day, this group of people, those online, as your children of God, we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit moves in a way that radically transforms us. Release your gifts right now. Release your power right now. Holy Spirit, move right now. Someone's online is crying. We hear you. Someone in here is desperate. We see you. And if you need a life with Jesus Christ, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're online and you're watching and you just tuned in, all you have to do is invite him into your heart. Confess with your mouth. The Bible says that. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Every Sunday, all I do is just, I I, I reiterate what's written. And all you got to do is say this, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me and you rose again so I can be in eternity with you. Holy Spirit, take my life, every part of it, and move in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's worship. Let's worship today.